everyone, and welcome to another episode of Stargirl Podcast. This is Lizzie, and as always, I'm here with Angie, and we are going to talk about episode three of Stargirl season two, and uh, there's no fun title to this one. We're still in summer school. This is chapter three of summer school, and uh, a lot happened in this episode. A lot has happened in this beginning of the season. We saw the Green Lantern in episode two, and this is our Thunderbolt episode, basically. And boy, that did that go how you expected it to go, Angie? First, let's talk about how long we've been waiting for the Thunderbolt. They teased that pen so early in season one. So thank God we finally got some payoff. Secondly, it definitely did not go how I thought it was going to go with Mike starting off as like the holder of the pen because we, they were also teasing Joaquin for so long and we're like where is Joaquin because we know where there's Joaquin there's gonna be the Thunderbolt and that kind of uh that didn't it, the episode didn't start with that so that kind of threw me for a loop I was like oh Mike's gonna have the Thunderbolts okay let's see how this goes and we and we saw how that went what about you Lizzie I mean, I think we both sort of, like, I'm with you in that when it started and Mike, it, it started with Mike, I was like, oh, how is this going to go badly? Because it's sure to go badly, so the pen can end up in the hands that it needs to end up. Especially, like, maybe if they hadn't teased the name, like, if we didn't know Jakeem existed, we could have believed it was always going to be Mike. But knowing that he existed, it, this it was going to be an episode where um, something happened with Mike and then the pen ended up in the, the right hand. And I, I do think maybe this is a setup for, for Mike doing more, for Mike getting to be part of the team. But Mike doesn't necessarily have to become a superhero that he, like, I, I, I would love for them to find a place for Mike. Uh, we know his legacy and all of that. And, uh, but the the pen wasn't it it clearly wasn't vibing with Mike as much as he wanted to vibe with it. Um, but I will say before we get into more of that, I really do appreciate teenage boys just grabbing a random pink pen and being like, "Yes, this is my pink pen. Thank you. No toxic masculinity here. I love pink pens." And it's not just like it's not a subtle pink either. It's like sparkly, bright pink, like. It's such an eye catcher, and he's just like walking down the street with it. Just do do do. This is my pink pen. <laughs> right, casual. Um, I I do think this this episode sets up more than just Thunderbolt, and that it sets up Mike, sort of as lonely and like I, it feels. I it made me super sad for him that no one else was noticing how he was feeling. And though he had good moments in the episode, particularly with Courtney, like I felt Courtney was, since she didn't have to parent him, she had a chance to be more empathetic. And I think she had a moment with Mike there that I really appreciated. Because I, one of the things I really want to see more of is like the family dynamics. And the family dynamics are usually centered around Pat and Courtney. And I appreciate, we love Pat Dugan, but they have a chance to sort of go deeper with uh, Mike and Courtney, and I would like to see that. Yeah, and I like that 
it's also it's not just uh, Pat and Courtney talking about Mike or like seeing Mike in his loneliness. It's also Barbara too, and how she says like, "Well, if Mike's lonely, then that's on all of us." Like she really sees Mike as her son, and so whatever happens to him, I think we're also going to see that Barbara is going to feel like a responsibility for it, and is going to be very like, um, it's going to be very heartbreaking if slash when. Mike falls in with the wrong crowd and he like leaves the team for a bit because we know with uh, Shiv's dossier of printed pictures from Costco um, that Mike is likely going to go bad for a little bit by the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like Mike is going to go bad, which is something we didn't expect and Cameron won't? Like, do you think we might get a twist in that the person we expected to go bad won't, and the person we expected to go bad, like I, because if Mike is gonna go bad, like I just feel like it would be a lot if they, if Mike goes bad, and then Cameron says yes to Cindy, and then it all gets like real too fast. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, and then there's also like Artemis too, who doesn't really have a connection with Courtney but still it's like oh it's all the things we expected maybe I don't know um I think that certainly would be interesting and we should keep that as a theory for this show I actually really like that if it flips and then maybe Artemis goes good because she kind of does like go good in the comics and blah, blah, blah and that's going to be really interesting to see too um I also thought we were talking about like Mike having moments with people. I think that was nice in this episode that they really let Mike have like these different interactions. Um, I wanted to point out the one that he has with Yolanda because that's really right. different. Like he, have they even been in the same like room together? Like I feel like they never, these two characters don't really interact I mean, all that much. Not interacted by themselves in a group setting in one of the last episodes where they were pl making plans um maybe in the in one of the last episodes of the last season but in general um i think that's a very telling conversation because they were both they were both they were discussing a sentiment that i don't think anyone else on the team could relate to um but also they were coming at it from so many from a very different perspective like Yolanda's still coming at everything from a Catholic guilt standpoint because that's what, how she was raised and that's not how Mike was raised so they're coming at it from from a different point of view uh but but Yolanda feels like I mean she can't she she goes to confession and she can't confess I mean she she can't exactly be like uh forgive me father but I have sinned I killed someone like it's not it won't exactly fly um so I'm glad she gets to have like that little moment with Mike, but it also makes me think about the fact that she had she hasn't discussed this with Rick, and presumably they think Rick killed Grundy. So either they don't see Grundy as fully human, so they they don't actually consider that the same, or no one believes Rick killed Grundy, and they're all like, "Yeah, Rick, we're just gonna pretend you did the thing till you admit that you didn't do the thing. We'll be here sitting till you admit it." Maybe it's just like an unspoken thing. Cause was Beth still around at that like final fight or was Rick alone at that point? Cause Pat right. was kind of knocked out. Yeah. Rick was alone with Grundy. Oh, so they didn't, they didn't see it happen, 
But Rick, well, I in the first episode of the season, Rick says that he took care of it. Like maybe they just maybe for Rick, took care of it means killed. And for the rest of the team, they're like, we would never think you killed him unless you <laughs> use the kill. So maybe they're just not understanding each other. But like, um, because I feel like maybe if Yolanda thought Rick had killed Grundy and and he felt any kind of guilt over that, she would have also been talking to him. Not maybe over Mike, but also talk to everyone about her guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's it's a little weird that she hasn't uh, talked to Rick about it. Um, and I, I we know Grundy's gonna come up. Oh, yeah, because Rick talks about how he, like, I had to feed my dog. And they're like, you don't have a dog. Like, he's coming up with some bad excuses. It's very, like, Superman Clark Kent. Like, oh, I have to go do the thing. Like, he's not great at it. Um, With Mike and Yolanda, I just think it was a very interesting conversation because Mike talks about killing Icicle. And I don't think he has necessarily talked about it with anyone I would think at least not that we've seen and he confesses that it's like oh it it was an accident I'm not a hero so he thinks that being a hero means like purposefully killing someone then like I right that kind of I kind of flag that I'm like you think you're not a hero because you did something on accident but that's killing someone hmm Right. Hmm. And ironically, Yolanda didn't kill someone. Um, it, it wasn't an accident, but she thinks that's what prevents her from being a hero. So they're really like opposite sides of the coin. Um, I just think Mike has this idea of what being a hero means, um, but he hasn't really had to do the hero stuff. So it's all just like basically like ideals and like what tv and comic make maybe has sort of sold what being a hero is like to him um and maybe mike's arc in the season is sort of being wrong about being a hero is making a mistake and then sort of having to figure out what being a hero actually is and then making the 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 hard decision to be a hero which isn't always about um, doing flashy things, but about doing the right thing, no matter, like, even when it's hard. So I feel like we might be, this might be set up for Mike having to make a really hard choice at one point in the season. Yeah, I think uh, being a hero means killing bad guys is very simplistic. It's very, like, G.I. Joe, American military kind of, like, mindset, like, oh, this is what we do. We go out, we kill bad guys mission accomplished right but like with superheroes there are more complexities and there are powers involved and then in this case there are your parents involved in it um i think pat has some really like interesting decisions to make with his son like is he has to think about like is it right for me to bench mike all the time and courtney is pretty young too and she gets to go off and be a superhero and get his own kid doesn't whereas his son doesn't get to so if it's a family business mike's family it just it seems really complicated to me and i guess it goes back to the question of like should kids be allowed to be superheroes right. what are the rules is right. there a curfew 
Like, do you have to get a, a permission slip signed for like every villain <laughs> that you're going to go out and fight? Like it's, I, I'm, I'm hard pressed at the moment to think of any shows that really explore this of like kids being superheroes, I guess right. perhaps like DC superhero girls, those girls are like teenagers, I think. But I can't think of like preteens, like around Mike's age. Can you? No, uh, no, I can't. And like the only show that sort of had teenagers was Runaways, but they were like the whole point of that show was that they were running away. Like they didn't, the parents weren't really in their life, so we can't really compare. Um, the parents were the bad guys, also the different dynamics. Um, I think it's gonna be hard for Pat, but this episode also makes me think like he he's got to find a balance. They all know Mike's struggling now. Mike is certainly gonna make his mistakes, but we know Mike is a legacy, quote unquote. We know um, Cindy has that picture of him. What does that mean, and why is it clearer by the episode that Pat doesn't know? Whatever it means, Pat doesn't know because it feels to me like if Pat had any idea that Mike could possibly uh, have powers or have this legacy or whatever, he would have at some point done something about it. Like it doesn't like if it turns out that Pat knew and they tell me in episode 10, I think I will be upset with Pat. Uh, (laughs) Not just because he hasn't said anything, but because he's pretending so well, even to himself. So that makes me think it, it it has something to do with Mike's mom that we don't know and that maybe Pat didn't know. And so that's a twist, and I kind of like it more than I like the Sylvester twist, I will say. Which... Oops. Lizzie, you're muted. You muted yourself. Oh, I, I didn't notice. <laughs> what was I saying? Damn you it. said... um. Which I would like better than the Starman twist. And like in your next mid-sentence, it cut out. Ah, I think that was the most important part. Like uh, the only thing I was going to add is that we haven't seen Sylvester in a while. And I don't miss Sylvester. He can stay. Bye. Yeah, he can. I mean, it's. I think what we're meant to think with Mike's legacy is that it's the legacy of Stripesy. But Pat is very much stripe right now and there's no way of really like passing that on unless they do something to pat which we said we would boycott the show if something happens to our precious pat right so there has to be some sort of other avenue for mike to go in and i think he's just trying to find himself he's trying those like different hats isn't he because he tried the pen it's not going to work i wonder what he's going to try next um it is i will say that it was nice that like the JSA kids rallied around him. Like even though it's still like Pat's decision to veto, the other kids were like, listen, we discussed this as a group and Mike is in. I like that. Like, I like that it's kind of like, it's a a cheerocracy, (laughs) (laughs) not a cheer tatership. Right. Though like Mike thinks that Courtney's like the leader and like makes the decisions. She, she isn't, you know, like they all made this decision as a group. And I really liked that. Yeah. And, and Courtney is really good at deferring to Pat, which is something that I don't think Mike sees uh, that she might feel like as the leader. But she's very good 
listening to Pat. Uh, but also, I, I, I will say that I find it adorable that when the team is all like, we want to do this, Mike deserves a chance. Mr. Dugan, please. <laughs> like, I love how they're always like, Mr. Dugan, Mr. Dugan. Like, I mean, if, if we think about it, these are all kids with no real parental figures. Um, so they all, they've all imprinted on Pat at this point. Like, they're like, Mr. Dugan, please like us. Um, and I really like the montage also when they were trying to come up with the right warning. Um, and the, the different, um, um, like, just the little conversations that were going on as they were saying, like, no, this is wrong. And then they were adding and, and scratching some things off. And, like, it, it was fun because you could sort of see a little bit of their personalities and, and the little moments between, uh, like, team members. That, I, I thought that was cute. Yeah, you know I love any scene with a white bard, okay? Like, that's, those are always fun. <laughs> right my my um, babies like they're studying and also how did courtney know about like when courtney gave that answer in summer school like that yolanda didn't know like i know i went on a tangent but like courtney reading the book was like the highlight of the episode for me and when she was like imagine if you study i was like what is going on who are you and where is courtney like the level of growth here so proud of her no, okay, she read her history book, but then she also asks, how do you punch a shadow? So it kind of balanced out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she, she still has to be a teenager. Like, if she's going to ask dumb questions, I'd rather it weren't about history, which is in the textbook. <laughs> That's true. You can't read about how to punch a shadow in a textbook, although the shade is pretty old. He probably could be in a textbook somewhere. Right. I mean, it, it, the funny thing about the shade is that this episode made him seem menacing, like a, a villain worthy of the name villain. And then I still felt like Thunderbolt was more problematic than the shade. I was like, Thunderbolt mm. is trying to help, and he's even more of a problem than the shade who is actively not trying to help. Like when the... I mean, I think that they presented it in a really funny way. And I also think they were trying to sort of show that Mike wasn't the right person for the pen. Um, but the whole thing with the stop signs at the beginning, it was like, oh, my God. This is like a nightmare scenario to ask for a, like, a, it, 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 it had these Aladdin vibes where you're like, is this a wish you want? Like, how to not ruin your wish. Like, be specific. Like, I want to be taller. And then you're standing on top of the bench. No, it was, oh, God. Just, yeah, I'd be so, so worried all the time that I would yeah. mess it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree that it was very, like, Aladdin meets the genie. Especially with, like, the rules. Like, you can't, like, wish someone back from the dead and blah, blah, blah. So the fact that they call that out is interesting because... What if something happens down the line where we do wish that someone could be brought back? Mm. Mm. Oh, why do you even say that? Because that is why else would they say it? it? Why no, else would they go out of right. the way? Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying maybe, maybe, hopefully not. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah, because it's a weird tangent to establish now. But I don't want anyone to die. I know. Uh, yeah, I mean, th this was a really 
it was a really good episode in the big things, which were Mike and, and Thunderbolt. And I think in the small things, like I also like there were a few cute moments of uh, Corny being mindful of Yolanda's feelings, for example, about her guilt and how she, how trying to work with her. So like Yolanda doesn't want to kill anyone else. And, and Corny being like, we're not going to do anything you're not comfortable with. Um, I, I found that like really, really important. Like, the 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 show never really forgets that these are not just superheroes they're kids and they're friends and and it's on in those little things that if you add them up at the end of the season it really starts not starts it really feels like their the relationships between them matter so when you have Yolanda jumping off a building for Courtney that that has an extra meaning because you really do believe that they're friends I agree. And I think this is a perfect time to talk about our sweet baby angel, Rick, who in this episode, um, he really connects to that emotional side of himself that he shows. And he talks to Beth like he goes out of her way, out of his way to ask her what's going on. And he probably recognizes where she is like he knows what anger is about like he he is very much familiar with anger and how to process anger. And the fact that he says like, you can talk to me, pretend I'm Chuck. Like he knows exactly what to say to get Beth to open up and even going so far as to like role play with that. Right. Like that is so just beyond where we last saw Rick in season one, he wouldn't have done that at all. Season one, Rick could barely process his own stuff much less offer help to others, much less be willing to like get into the headspace of someone else to talk to someone about their trauma. That was just, well, I just, I want to just give Rick a hug and like a hundred dollar bill or something, you know, like how you, like how parents reward their children. Like I right. just want to like, <laughs> here's an ice cream. Here's some extra allowance money. Here's a hug. We're going to go to Disneyland later. <laughs> I want to yes. give them all the rewards. I, I, I feel very proud of Rick. Like I, I think all of the characters have grown, but he started from a place where he was hard to like. Like, he was very, very hard to connect to. And then when he asks Beth what was going on, I like legitimately paused the episode, and I was like, I need a moment here because <laughs> I do not even understand what's going on. And I guess if you squint, you could think that is romantic setup. Um, because basically because there's no other setup that looks romantic anywhere else. So if you squint, you could think that is the sort of romantic setup. Um, I don't necessarily think it has to be because in general, it can just be them showing the growth of characters and like these kids are friends. Um, and Beth has sort of, we've talked about this before, Beth has sort of stayed on the outskirts of the team, even as being part of the team because she had Chuck and she doesn't have Chuck anymore. So it's good that Rick is reaching out and being like, I'm here. Like you're not alone just because you don't have Chuck doesn't mean there aren't other people who will talk to you. And if it's hard for you, let's do it whatever way you find it easier. Um, I, I felt like that was super important. And I really, I really like their dynamic. We talked about how they sort of balance each other out. Uh, and Rick 
it has been all rage and bad has never found the rage even when she needs to. And if they're going to sort of switch that around and Rick is going to be a little more understanding and, and Beth is going to find her spine, I will be really happy. Yeah, and you don't need romance to make that happen. I think it's actually more meaningful and more interesting if they choose to like just let the teammates just all be friends and like really good friends, like not just like superficial friendships because it's nice to have, like we talked about this all last season too, it's nice to have opposite sex friend pairings that like don't skew romantic. It's just because these friendships exist yet we don't see them a lot on shows, much less in superhero shows. So I think it would actually be more meaningful for Rick as a character if he didn't hook up with one of the girls on the team. I, 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 now that you mention it, I think it would be super good if they can showcase how Rick's relationship with the three girls on the team is very different. Like he does not have the same vibe with Courtney that he has with Yolanda or that he has mm -hmm. with Beth. But you can have, like friendships are like that. You don't mm -hmm. have the, the same friendship with anyone. Because the friendship depends on each person's personality. Um, so it would really be good. Now you say that if they manage to show just the different tones to the different friendships. Um, but I'm really just glad that they're sort of making an effort to make Beth. Like it maybe is with Rick now. Um, because as I think Rick recognizes a, a, a thing about himself in Beth. Or he's seeing that now. Like sort of the contained anger that she's just struggling with. Um, but I will also like the girls, especially if we consider that both Corny and Yolanda were at first not very sure about Beth as a member of the team. Um, and they've sort of accepted her, but I would like to see something more outwards about them, not just accepting her, but like wanting her there. Um, they have a lot of time in the season to go there. Um, but like if I had to choose, I would choose... Uh, for season two to also have really no romance like i i don't really need it and um and i mean i i guess we're gonna have still that that courtney and cameron i don't know flirting vibe it's a weird thing because they they went on a date quote unquote or like their parents met yeah. each other like yeah. i don't know and was that happened I don't know. I don't. I don't remember that being a thing that we did when I was a teenager. No, so I don't know if I'm just like what. Not that I dated a lot when I was a teenager, but I certainly didn't bring my parents and my grandparents along when I went. Okay, like that. Was... Right, and then yeah. I like that wouldn't even qualify as a date if you brought your parents. But also, it's like step five where you haven't taken step one, and then um his dad died and i presume he went out of town and he came back and what is going on like are they supposed to be dating no like do they want to be dating i, I don't understand are where they their texting? relationship is. they they must have each other's phone number are they at least like texting like what what is going on there have his grandparents told him that like yo your girl's family killed your dad just like so you know I mean, they probably aren't texting if she had to wait to see him in the middle of the street to know that he was back. But why aren't they texting? Like, if, like I can understand why Courtney wouldn't text him, but why wouldn't he text her? Um, was he too busy, like, bulking up? Because, <laughs> boy, <laughs> did he bulk up. 
I'm imagining that took quite some time. Yeah. He just worked out his forearms and hands so much with all the weightlifting <laughs> that he can't even hold a phone anymore. God. He has to like touch I mean, his nose. He, he looks really good, but part of the that he looks really good is he looks like someone who was told he would be stepping into a suit. Mm-hmm. And and I don't like that. I don't mm-hmm. like that at all. I would like to keep him nice and out of a suit. No villains, uh, which is probably too much to ask. Like, we already had a Green Lantern episode. We had Thunderbolt. Uh, we know we're getting a Flash episode later on in the season. Um, but other than a few episodes of setting up new characters, they at some point had to get down to the business of the plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of important. Uh, <laughs> kind of. Um, I what like we've had a setup episode, uh, Green Lantern, Thunderbolt. Like, where do we go now? Like, do you think we just pick up Kim in a little more time with him? Um, or because I I don't actually think that's what is gonna happen next episode. I think we probably give that a rest an episode or two before we yeah. pick Thunderbolt back up again. I agree. I do want to talk about a little bit with Joaquim, how like his sister walks in the room and calls him a loser with the L on the forehead. Now, now I was a child of the 90s and I was there when we started doing that in the 90s. Is that back? Like, was that, is that trendy now? Like, I honestly don't know. Like, I, I've had a baby. I've been um, I've been missing from pop culture for, like, two months. So is Elle on the forehead back? I'm asking I, I would, th- I would think not. But, like, if there are any Gen Cs listening to us, you can come tell us. Because uh, now that Angie points it out, I'm like, uh, I don't think that's a thing. Um, and I also, I mean, I'm very interested in Joaquin because the wish that Mike made said, I wish the pen was in better hands. What makes Joaquin's hands better hands? Um, because mm. it cannot be as simple as Pat's hole, uh, the pen, like Thunderbolt, um, only goes like for people who are very lonely and whatever. Like maybe that's, that has something to do with it, but it can't just be that. And also, we we didn't even discuss the fact that in the flashbacks, the Thunderbolt and the person in control of the Thunderbolt were were shown as a little bit of a joke. Like, didn't it feel like Mm -hmm. no one was taking him seriously? Um, And ironically, I, I sort of expected, considering how powerful the Thunderbolt is, that Johnny Thunder would be a more... I don't know, a more important member of the Justice Society of America. Yeah, I mean, the Thunderbolt is so powerful, but I guess with the level of chaos that the Thunderbolt is capable of, that's why they bench him, because it's about, like, the lack of control, potentially. Like, it's hard to contain magic in that way. Right. But, like, it was also visually what he was wearing, the way his hair was styled, like he seemed, it seemed all a little like borderline, almost you're going to turn into the Joker. I don't know. Mm. It was just, mm. it, 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 it felt like that was deliberate. And then Ted Grant with his face, like, oh my God. I was Ted, so, like, uh, 
we have been waiting. <laughs> Dead grand. I was, I literally wrote down, it's nice to see him, you know, alive. <laughs> right. Uh, I wish we got more um, flashbacks where Ted Grant isn't there for two seconds and grumpy as hell. Mm. Because he was just like, grump, grump, grump. Like, what's going on, Ted? Like, I know things are, um, big things are happening and you're all going to die. But, like, a little bit of a smile. And also, do you think there's more to the decision to bench Pat in that particular moment? Knowing what happened, well, like, what mm. does Starman know? Or was it just you have a kid? Because, I mean, he wasn't the only one with a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't mm-hmm. like you have a kid. It was, or was it, I feel like we're all going to die, so I don't want Stripesy to die. But why Stripesy in particular? Like, I can understand Starman loving Stripesy, but, like, I would assume he also likes the rest of his team. I, I don't know. It felt like... Like, that's something that's going to come back and probably, well, considering we have Sylvester or a man looking like Sylvester who is going to show up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't... In general, the relationship between Pat and Sylvester has always seemed interesting. to spend too much time on it, but it's interesting the, the, the way the relationship developed because it felt to Pat and at first in, in season one, like Sylvester never really appreciated Stripesy, but maybe it was the other way around. Maybe he was trying to protect him. Mm, but why? Mm-hmm. But why? Yeah. First, he has to get there, though. Hopefully, Pat's ex-wife gave him the correct address and directions. <laughs> I mean, I pre- I presume she would know because Mike. Though on the other hand, Mike has never mentioned her. So, does she care about her kid? Does Maybe she talk to her? Maybe that's part of why he's so lonely. Right? That must be part of his loneliness. That, like, his birth mom isn't really involved in his life, potentially. That would make you lonely. Right. Like, there, there's never been even a mention of Mike's mom. Ooh. And we saw them at Christmas. And you know what creates a villain? Mom issues. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's Number starting. It thing. started. We didn't even know it started. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like strangely, like we are gonna see a little bit of a twist in the way, like I sort of clearly set up Mike making the wrong choices. Um, but it feels like not everyone can be making the wrong choices. Like someone has to tell Cindy no. Um, of ever everyone she's she's gonna recruit. And it feels to me like the most obvious person to tell her no would have been Mike or Artemis. But Artemis also feels to me like the type that she would say yes first and then sort of turn the other way. Then sort of like what reason would she have to say no now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with her parents. Like Cindy. Yeah, especially with her parents in prison. Like she has a reason to go out and create some chaos because she's mad about it. Right. So, I mean, that that just leaves me Cameron. So maybe Cameron's going to pull a Henry Jr. and be like, no, you know what? I am actually a good person. Or at least for a bit. Because mm-hmm. we don't know how he'll react to the information that uh, Mike killed his dad. No one else. Mike. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. I don't. 
I don't I, I think we, we it's it's sort of clear what the themes of the season are regarding identity and regarding family, which the long slog of Sylvester Pemberton <laughs> will at some point get to Blue Valley and whatever. How long does that drive take? <laughs> what I want to know. He's been on the road for several days now. He must be making several stops. No, but like, yeah, he he didn't. Presumably, at first, he didn't know where they were. But like at this point, Sylvester, um, you just procrastinating, my dude. And why are you? I don't know. I don't. I like know to imagine he's he's just like sightseeing. Like he's gonna purposely go across the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> What is fees from another earth? So um, he's legitimately like, what is this? Let me go find <laughs> out. Every time he reaches someplace that is different from his art. Uh, that would be funny. Like I would, I, that would actually make me like him more, which I haven't met him and I don't like him already. Like I'm just anticipating bad things from him. But yeah, I, this, feel, this feels both like a really good episode and the kind of episode that leaves you a little bit anxious because you can't really know what's coming. Like, what is coming now? Yeah, what? we we still don't know what the Shade's real plan is because he basically just tells them, stay out of my way if you want to live. Like, that was like tea time with the Shade was that little chat. Right. Tea time with the Shade went really bad. And, well, I mean... One thing I will say is that at least these in this episode, tea time with the shade went badly, not because of Courtney, because Courtney is always <laughs> the one making the the rash decisions. And at least this time, it wasn't you, Courtney. Kudos for that. Like, I'll give you that. <laughs> so, um, and then um, there, there's also the possibility, which we haven't even contemplated, that maybe the shade and Eclipso make the kind of team that even Cindy doesn't want to be part of. Mm. Yes, that is interesting. Because why is he trying to find Eclipso? Like, for what reason? Like, what is what is the Shades endgame here? We're not really sure. But what we do know is that he scared the ever-loving crap out of Barbara. Right. <laughs> to try to and find I him. Would have, I would have been, like, I was super proud of her for keeping her cool during that entire scene. Because I was like... The, the season has been creepy. Like, they've maintained that, that mm-hmm. sort of level of creepiness very well uh, with Eclipso and the Shade. So, I mean, I'm a fan of scary movies, but this is a kind of creepy I can sort of take. So I'll give them that. Um, and hope they don't turn it up a notch in the coming episodes. Just keep it here. We're good. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that's pretty much it for this episode. Uh, we still got four five, six, and seven of summer school. Uh, so, so I don't, there's a lot of stuff coming in summer school still. So much presumably, presumably someone will learn something too. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully Yolanda reads her history book. And uh, will Rick show up? Is <laughs> he supposed to be there? <laughs> I feel like their summer, summer school experience is so much more interesting than mine. I'm a little bit jealous. I, Like, I don't know why is it a Gen C thing or did we just go to school when we had to more (laughs) than kids these days do? So I I cannot, or maybe it's because um, I'm a Latino kid. Like, I just, the idea of being like, I'm going to skip school felt very much like very high on the list of things I shouldn't do. And though sometimes you risk it 
it was most of the time not worth it, you know, in my head. Like, there were smaller acts of rebellion that I could do and not, like, go for the big thing. Well, I was, like, the opposite because I took summer school to get ahead. Like, that's where I was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Angie. I know. You're learning too much about me. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. And on this information about Angie, uh, we're going to say goodbye to this podcast. You can visit StarGirlPodcast.com for all the latest news about the StarGirl show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at StarGirl Podcast as well. Subscribe to StarGirl Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And while you're on Apple Podcasts, hit us up with some five-star reviews. And don't forget, we are part of the DCTV Podcast Network with podcasts for all the DC shows at DCTVPodcast.com. Follow the network on social media at DCTV Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Last but not least, subscribe to our mega feed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. DCTV Podcast has its own Public store, so if you are interested in DCTV-related merchandise, click on the link in the show notes. Get some awesome gear. It does help support the network so we can continue to make these podcasts. And if you have any questions or thoughts about Stargirl, email us at stargirlpodcast at gmail.com. That's it. Bye. Bye.